you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. We always defer to the Iron Lady. As always, she nails it to the wall and tells us when the show is fully launched. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, we just have the most amazing guests, the amazing minds on the show, people who come share their wonderful stories of life, things they learned over their journey, and impart it to you and everything that goes in it. And, of course, none of those intelligent people are me. I'm just some idiot with a mic. But for 16 years, we've been the CEOs, the billionaires, the government officials, the ambassadors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, all of the smartest people on the planet appear on the Chris Voss Show, except for me, and share with you what you need to know to make your life better and to learn stuff. Because we all need to learn stuff, eh? And get better stories. Today we have Mike Johnson on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us about what he does with his company, ClearPath EPM. He is a chief executive officer and founder of ClearPath EPM. And after a lengthy diplomatic security and law enforcement career within the U.S. government, Mike Johnson entered the private sector in 2010 as an executive with a global risk consulting company. In 2014, he founded ClearPath EPM, and has since then, he's helped provide safety, security, emergency preparedness programs, and campus resiliency training to hundreds of schools, corporations, and other institutions in the U.S. and around the world. He deeply appreciates and understands diverse cultures, Gained from extensive international travel and permanent overseas operational assignments within complex and often high-stress environments. He must have been in some of my marriages, too. He is a certified protection professional as awarded by AI. I'm sorry, ASIS International Certified and has extensive experience in the delivery and management of safety, security, emergency preparedness, and operational resiliency programs. He's a well-respected expert in the development of emergency preparedness and procedures, situational awareness, activities, vulnerability, and risk assessments, and high-threat security operations, which is why I refer to him and have him do analysis whenever I date. Johnson is a Lauderdale, Florida-based business leader. He serves on the board of directors of Winterfest and the Board of Trustees of the Center for Spiritual Living in Fort Lauderdale. He's also on the Advisory Board of National Association of School and Campus Police Chiefs. And as we were joking before the show, he is not, sorry to disappoint, the House Minority Leader, or House Majority Leader, currently. Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. I got that right. It took me a while. I'm not sure I agree with Two million people just left. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we just, lost, we just lost everybody in Louisiana, but right, that would have been just five. Anyway, um, yeah. so welcome to the show. We certainly Thank appreciate you. it, Mike. There you go. Thank you very much. Appreciate right. being on. And where's the drum roll after that fantastic opening there? I know. People People keep telling me they want me to follow around and MC introduce them everywhere. I, I think there's a there's a, a monetization thing that I'm missing here. You know, yeah. I just have a trumpet. Hear ye, hear ye, entering the room. There you go. Exactly. So, Mike, give us the, I think, did we get the .com for ClearPath yet from you? Yes. I was busy writing that joke in my head. Yeah. 
Uh, so give us a 30,000 overview in your words of what ClearPath EPM does. ClearPathEPM.com, Chris. <laughs> so what we do is we, we help organizations, schools, churches, institutions, live events to prepare for disruptive events so that they can remain safe, secure, and, you know, live in a, in a, you know, a nice, clean world, healthy world. So that's kind of what we do. And we do it through a combination of a lot of different things, consulting, technology. But for us, it's really about what we call the human connection mm. and, and making sure that, that you know from all the training you went in your previous careers. And what we find is, you know, organizations just aren't prepared to deal with the things that, that inevitably they'll have to deal with. And so you, you, you handle that through training, training, training. And did I say training? You know, much like you and I did in our careers in the government, it's like thousands and thousands of hours of training. Mm-hmm. And so that way do we try to get the mindset to, to, for people to understand, to not be fearful of what might come. Because mm-hmm. you know what fear stands for, right? You, you're, you're a smart guy. You know this. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to fight or flight, right? No. Fear is future events aren't real. Oh, okay. So yeah. people, people come up with this concept of, oh, there's going to be an active shooter. The reality is that's a very low probability but highly catastrophic possibility. Mm-hmm. So you still have to have some basic plans for it. But yeah. So once people become fearful – they're like, oh, my God, I, this is going to happen. Well, no, actually, just just sit back, think about what you got, deal with your vulnerabilities, train, mm-hmm. and then when that happens, you'll be ready to respond. There you go. This is why the people in the military tra- train so much, and like athletes and other things. Absolutely. So you're ready for you know not only the activity you need to do, but any contingency. And I love, oper- I love- the ra- operational awareness thinking. You've got an app, it looks like, and several courses on your website. Tell us about some yeah. of that. Yeah. So we, we've started developing these online courses. It started the first one during COVID, you know, because the consulting business was kind of, you know, it's what happened with consulting businesses. Mm-hmm. So we were uh, we were contracted by the Department of State Office of Overseas Schools to develop this online uh, course for U.S. State Department schools overseas called Prepare My, Prepare My School. And that became a 13 module, you know, asynchronous training course. And the plan is to eventually do the same thing for churches businesses and, and live events. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a way, you know, now people can sit and look at the training without having to come to our live training and essentially get the same thing. It's a very interactive course, lots of activities. And, you know, the idea is the the more we can train people, let's focus on schools, the more we can train teachers, janitors, you know, facilities, people, when something happens, the better the response is going to be. And that's kind of the philosophy behind it. There you go. And people that are prepared, they're educated that, you know, they don't live in fear, but they're, you know, and I think one of the things about fear is when an event happens, you do go into fight or flight mode. You go into, you you can be destabilized by it. You can be locked down by it. And your responses are going to be probably not the best they could possibly be in that case. And so by being prepared, knowledge is power to the extent it's used. And you can therefore, you know, have have a have a blueprint to work from when you think about you know i remember i mean i was 28 years in law enforcement and so you go in i was military before that but you know what's the one thing they train us for in military and law enforcement is to when you hear gunshots instead of running from it which is the natural you know human instinct is to run towards it without even thinking and so that's kind of the that's kind of the idea of of i think training and you know i always say and you'll appreciate this that I don't want my clients reacting to an event. 
I want them responding. If you look, if you use the sports analogy, you think about you know, if you're playing soccer or football, whatever, you know, you're you're if you're on your heels, mm-hmm. you're going to fall on your butt, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're if you're ready, that you're on your toes, you're kind of leaning forward, and the same thing with shooting or anything else. So that's what I always say is you know response response denotes prior planning and preparedness. Don't want you reacting. That's a that's a you know kind of gut instinct may work, it may not work. So the training, planning, preparing is a much better way to do it. There you go. Yeah, give us a little bit about your glide path through life and how you how you got into this business and, and some of your experiences maybe with the U.S. government and, and stuff. Yeah, sure. So I, I started out, I was University of Mississippi and, and, and went got, got a degree in criminal justice in ROTC, a mm-hmm. little, little bit stint in the Army doing counterintelligence, went to work for the Naval Investigative Service, which is the, the precursor to the Naval, Naval Criminal Investigative Service, uh, mm-hmm. civilian special agent back in 1983, mm-hmm. uh, and started out, and I was essentially working counterintelligence, counterespionage cases. I did some really large Navy spy cases back in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, and then I left there, went to diplomatic security, where I, I, I spent 18 years in diplomatic security, served overseas and tours in Lebanon, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, TDYs in Colombia, high threat security details, things like that. Mm. And then my last job was I was specially in charge of the of the Miami field office for uh, diplomatic security, which is the sort of the highest field, if you will, the field general, the field colonel for, for law enforcement and a federal agency. And then actually left and went to Department of Commerce, did a lateral as a special agent in charge of export enforcement for the, the southeastern United States, where I spent my last six years. And I mostly work is working on counterproliferation issues with Iran, for example, and won some, uh, won some national level awards from the Attorney General and Department of Commerce and things, doing that kind of stuff. And then went into the private sector and kind of went back to kind of working the security stuff, those types of things. There you go. And so then you open your own firm and, and yeah. off you go doing private work and everything else. So as people, you know, analyze their threats, the world has become a more dangerous place. You know, we've seen recently Jewish facilities getting attacked. There was one where I think someone was shooting recently somewhere. I think it was in upper state New York. Someone was shooting a shotgun outside of a Jewish church or synagogue. You know, it's, it's become more dangerous and more weird and, and, you know, every day the news is filled with insights that can happen, you know, whether it's your local or whether it's the world. So how does one, how does one take this in and go, how can I be better prepared? Like if I'm, if I'm the average person, you know, you talked about being ready for disasters as well. If I'm the average person, what, what should I have in my arsenal or what should I have in my inventory physically or mentally to just be prepared or feel like I have, I can respond as you put it? Yeah. I think ultimately it comes down to that, you know, I put, I put tremendous, you know, emphasis on situational awareness and communication. Mm-hmm. And so you think about situational awareness in, in your personal life or, you know, if you're traveling or something, you know, what is situational awareness? Now, these days, you know, everybody's glued to their phone. Yeah. And, you know, if you're walking through a mall or in a taxi or in an Uber and you're glued to your phone, you don't have situation. You have situational awareness of, I'm watching the Chris Voss show on my <laughs> on my iPhone and not paying attention to the guys walking up to the to the Uber with a gun. Yeah. You know, you know, I think it's, you know, back in, in you know, you I think we're we're close to the same age and you know, back in the I don't want to out you like that, but uh, You're fine, uh, back in the day, you know, we didn't have cell phones. You know, we we, we can admit yeah. to that, Chris. Yeah. 
It was and great. So, it was a great time. Uh, yeah. You know, what happens is, you know, they're great. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of good things come with the technology today, but at the same time, you know, the technology is distracting us. And oh, by the way, it's also telling us all of the stuff that's happening around the world. And it may or may not be pertinent to, you know, what's in our lives. But so I think it comes down to, it's just, and it, you know, I don't want people to live in fear, but it's, you walk into a restaurant, Chris, and it's, it's crowded. What's probably one of the first things you're going to instinctively do from all those years of training? You're going to probably see where the exits are, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't. I mean, you think back to remember in Paris, it was like probably eight, eight years ago when they had everybody was shot in the cafes in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. And they literally had the videos of people just sitting there stunned mm-hmm. as the as the terrorists come up and they're shooting. You know, it's like there's no situational awareness whatsoever. They just kind of freeze deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's just really in, in your personal life or in your, if you're driving or in your, in your home life, it's just kind of being aware that, okay, one, there are people out there that may want to do bad shit. <laughs> and, you know, if you're in a certain neighborhood, I was just in, I was just in Ecuador and, you know, there are parts of Quito where you just don't go, yeah. you know, other parts, you've got to be smart and, you know, there's a lot of things going on, but it's, it's kind of know, know where you are. You know what the potential is in terms of, of potential disruptive events and be aware and have a, have a plan, have a, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, you go to the mall Christmas time and you leave all your bags in the backseat of the car, more than likely someone's going to break the window of your car and steal your bags. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> so to San Francisco. Put the bags in the trunk. <laughs> so it's just, you know, I, I just think that people, you know, we're so wrapped up in technology and what's going on in our lives. We don't stop to think about, we don't have to be a victim mm-hmm. that, that, you know, I, you know, it's, I talk, you know, soft target, hard target, you know, soft target being the one who's in the iPhone, the hard target is the one who's looking around, spotting somebody. I got you, buddy. You know, so you a little bit harder target. And so most of these are targets of opportunity. They're going to go to the lesser of the, you know, yeah. the, the less prepared. Right? Yeah. You bring up a good point. They, they, they know how to look for a mark. Right. Absolutely. And so they're looking for the peer person who's probably weaker and out of touch and, and, and maybe, you know, not, not someone who's, you know, well, just someone who's weaker, but the person who's aware looking, you know, I've given, I've been in situations where I've given someone the stink eye to let them know that I see you and I'm not the sort of guy you want to fuck with. Yeah. Uh, And they, and they know, and they'll recoil. Because I, I have a I have a good resting bitch face, evidently. Yeah, uh, I have that working for me. <laughs> well, you know, but even that, I mean, stink eye, or you know, you think about if you're if you're walking down the street and there's a you know there's a we can't say homeless anymore. I'm not sure what the right word is. Just say someone who doesn't have a home is yeah. <laughs> is on the street, and and you know what? did most people do they ignore them, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I do is say I say hi, because. One, they know that I see them there. Yeah, good point. And so I mean, not and so it's a nice thing to say, but it's also less likely they're going to come after me. It's like, well, this guy's aware that I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just you know, it, it just you turn that. So you can do the stink guy, you just do hi. Yeah, the uh, Kelly from LinkedIn brings up a good point. Being aware of your surroundings is key. You know, especially if you're a man. You know, uh, as men, we're the provider protector class at least you know us older generations are i'm still wondering about the newer generations but i mean that's our mandate as men and you know usually when you're you know i I come from that old school thing where if you're walking down the sidewalk with a woman you move her to the inside of the sidewalk you know you you have an operational awareness of who's coming up to you who's walking up behind you who's 
coming forward and might be moving up and switching gears and moving up behind you. You know, just just knowing and reading the room and seeing who's yeah. there and and just just I mean, just basic security. But you know, you bring up a good point. A lot of people are just lost in their phones. They're just you know they're just in their own private Idaho and. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen the guys, I think it's in other countries where they have the phone snatchers where if you're sitting in your car in traffic, what, looking at your phone yeah. like this, they have guys that will come on bicycles and just grab it and, you know, at your hands and go, they, they'll hunt you. Remember, it used to be, you know, probably like in New York and places, it would be the gold chain. You'd have your yeah. window down and they'd come by and snatch the gold chain off your, off your neck, mm -hmm. you know, with the window down. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, because I just got a new, you know, iPhone, that's a thousand dollars. Yeah. And even my old iPhone I traded in was, they gave me $900 refund, re rebate. So these phones are worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Why, why just, you know, just grab your phone. You're going to get probably 300, 400 bucks for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's more valuable than what's in your wallet more than likely. Yeah. For me, Except for you. Except for me, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't keep, I, well, I, I do carry a lot of cash from time to time when I'm doing events or something. I, I think I just outed myself. You did. Just, on, a, on international audience, you just outed yourself for okay. carried a lot you, of cash. You still have to take it from me, so there's yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's what it's, but you also, you also said earlier the stink guy, so it's like, eh, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I somehow have – I've had the ability – I'm a big guy too, so I'm 6'2". And I'm kind of fat too, if you haven't noticed. Not surprising anybody. Dude, but, I'm not. There's no judgment coming from me. <laughs> and so I can I can come across as surly, and I can dominate with my height. It's kind of an yeah. interesting thing. And, and and also kind of I have this ability to come across, especially in private life. Like I, you do not want to fuck with me. I'm nice as hell, but I will rip your arm off and, and yeah. shove it down your throat. And I, I'm actually looking for that opportunity most times because I'm because I'm just I don't know. I like being nice to people, but I have this rule be mean be vicious be nice to the nice people, be viciously fucking mean to the mean people. So I've I've just been too nice all day long. So if you want to screw with me, yeah. like, I don't know. Let's see who wins. Well, so but the, you know, the interesting thing is that that you don't walk around in fear. No. Because it, but but it's not you know that it could possibly happen, but oh, you're, yeah. you're prepared because you've had years of training. You know what to do. You're a little, little heavier and a little, you know, maybe a little slower than you were 20 years ago on the job, but that's okay. We all are. I mean, it's like, yeah. I still have my cat-like reflexes, by the way, but just, just saying yeah. that's for me. There you go. Well, you're right? probably in better shape than I was. No, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Me, I'm just gonna, I don't know, breathe on them and fart in their face, and I don't know. Having having the weight helps a little bit, you know. It, people can see you're a big guy, and if they're a little guy, they're just whatever. With with the safety platform that you have, what are some ways? I, I noticed there's courses there and different things. Imagine they're targeted from anywhere to the individual to the corporate. Tell us about how those work and how those can empower people. So the, the platform is called Totality, and I, I developed this. I didn't do the technology, of course, but I was I, I was the subject matter expert on it, if you will. And it really came out of all those years of, of you know, because my whole mindset has been preparedness and planning. And so I developed this technology that, that really addresses this human connection, which is training and data. And you think about, you know, you think about, you know, when you were on the job and, you know, you would do a drill or training, you know, it could be firearms calls or, you know, tactics or whatever, you're always collecting data on, you know, how did you do? Because the next time you want to do better. And what happens is, you know, like just address schools here in Florida, the, the legislature 
for me, politicians shouldn't be dictating what, how, how you do safety. But anyway, the politicians have said you will do a drill once a month in public schools in Florida. Hmm. So what happens is they're just sort of going through the motions. Well, okay, we got to do a lockdown. They're not getting better. They're not collecting data. They're not actually thinking about why are you doing that? You're doing that so in the event some idiot comes to your campus, you actually know what to do as opposed to, well, the government said I had to do it. What we did is we have this platform so you can actually collect the data and be guided on what the proper recommended practices are to do a lockdown or do a lockout or clear the halls and the various, you know, evacuation, things like that. And so the whole idea was to, to, to give information that is, is based on analysis of events and, you know, best practices, you know, uh, recommended practices, things like that. And so that's the whole idea behind the platform is to to allow people to like, oh, okay, now I'm actually collecting data. And if you look at the last three years of all the evacuation drills we've done at my elementary school, oh, wow, we've gotten really good, and but we're still having issues. So people just, again, you know, I always say that the reason you do a drill is not to do it for the sake of doing it. You do it to get better. When we went through firearms training, it wasn't just to, you know, it was to actually maintain your proficiency mm-hmm. <laughs> and not get worse, maybe get better. But so that was sort of the genesis of, of, of building this platform is so that organizations, schools, churches, houses of worship, you know, understand the concept. Okay. I've got some structure now. I know what I need to do in terms of, you know, planning preparedness. It, there's, there's a self-assessment for risks on there for threats and hazards and so you kind of take them through the, the, what I call, I have a seven step process, which probably I should mention that anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically it starts with assessment is the, is the seven phases of emergency planning manage, which is the EPM. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're assessing for threats and hazards, you, you're assessing for assets and you're assessing for uh, vulnerabilities. And, and, you know, you think about in terms of, you know, if you were to ha- take a Venn diagram of threats and hazards, assets and vulnerabilities, and in the middle is risk. The only way you can lower risk is to deal with vulnerabilities. Threats and hazards are consistent. Assets are consistent. So if I'm going to lower risk in that Venn diagram, I have to address vulnerabilities. So you have to know what your weaknesses are, and then you have to to strengthen those weaknesses. There you uh, and and then part of that are, is you can't strengthen them. Right. And so part of that is the whole training, uh, you know, understanding, wow, what potential threats could my house of worship face? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah. how would we counter that? And it ultimately goes back to situational awareness, you know, those, you know, all the standard stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why we built the platform. There you go. I mean, even as, as early as with our companies in 1988, 1999, there was starting to be the shootings at the office and stuff. And so we had to start thinking about these sort of things. You know, a lot, a lot has changed since then, 9-11 and, yeah. and everything else and, and all sorts of wars. What are some safety measures that, uh, we're in the holidays right now, for those of you watching on YouTube 10 years from now. What, what are some of the safety measures that we need to be concerned about maybe during the holidays at this time? Well, you know, just just don't walk around with a whole lot of cash, Chris. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Kelly, right? Kelly. Kelly already, Kelly already said, uh, or let's see if I can pull this up here. She said, way to tell us when to roll you, Chris. <laughs> you Next thing you know, you put your itinerary out on the on, on LinkedIn or something. I only do that when I go to Vegas. Let's put it that yeah. way. So if you yeah. want to roll me in Vegas, good luck. There's a million cameras and security guards. Have fun with that. So, you know, the same things apply. It's like, it's you know, you just, you just know 
that at the holiday time, there are going to be people who are looking for opportunities, Mm. right? And so they're going to look for the person who's completely unaware. They got their head in their phone. You know, they're, 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 you know, you're by yourself, man or woman, you're walking into a dark part of the mall. You're not paying attention. You're not checking your backseat of your car. Mm. You know, it's all the standard stuff. Um, Mm. And, you know, there is a, you know, human nature is there is a certain, there's a sixth sense that will probably hair raise up on the back of your neck. Remember that mm. when, when something's happening, pay attention to that. Right. Yeah. But if you're aware, you're probably going to see that before it even, you know, even gets to that point, but it's really just put your phone in your purse, keep your purse or your wallet. If, if you, if, you know, you might carry a man bag. It's not, it's not a bad thing. I'm just, I mean, you know, um, no do you carry a man bag? No, no. Well, they call them they call them MERS, right? A MERS is a MERS. No, if yeah. I ever do that, I'm having myself checked. But I'm not judging anyone else who does. That's just personally. Hey, you know, if you want to carry MERS, that's fine. But just keep it zipped up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest challenge with a MERS or a purse is it can be ripped from you, right? Yeah, technically. Yeah. So I've had. Well, it's a classic. You know, you know, it's it's like you got a purse MERS. You know, you have the strap over your shoulder versus hanging on. You know, same thing. You know. I carry a backpack when I travel mm-hmm. and if I'm in some sketchy, I'm going to put it both, both arms as opposed to one mm-hmm. where they can just rip it off. Yeah. Um, one of the things so, we do on a review channel that we, that we did for years and I've, I've had friends that have had very expensive, that are camera photographers that have a lot of gear on them that are expensive and they've been robbed. They've been robbed on the train in, in Germany on the train. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so they make these bags and I think they make them for backpacks, but they make camera bags where one of the tricks is, is if you're walking with your camera bag, they come up behind you with a razor and slice the, slice the cord and grab and run. And so yeah. they have ones that now that won't slice and stuff. I, I imagine they have the same for backpacks now. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it ultimately, is, you know, it's hard to, to, to figure out, you know, what every situation is, mm-hmm. but you know, that's, it's in the news. If you're going, if you're traveling to New York City and you're going to be in Times Square, Google it and you'll probably see, a, a, you know, you know, tons of stories about the what not to do in Times Square. Yeah, I go to New right. York just to get mugged. I think it's a yeah. welcoming committee, actually. Yeah, okay, something I don't know, or at least it used to be. That's kind of an old joke, actually. What, what threats do you see coming in 2024? Now that we're turning the the cusp of this year. I mean, we've got a couple wars going on. We've seen some activists from those wars that have used violence. You know, who knows what will what will come of it? Um, uh, what do, what do you see coming in the future in the next year that maybe people need to be tuned into? I think the the landscape from a threat sort of global threat perspective is 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 pretty touchy right now. Mm. You mentioned is Israel Hamas. That's not going to be resolved anytime soon. You know, this is this we're on the cycle now where they're you know they're dragging us through this and mm. and for example, I was in Bogota right when the Israelis went into went into Gaza mm. and in Bogota they were like you know they're like you know attacking people on the street in Bogota. Mm-hmm. And Jewish or not, I mean, I have blonde hair, you know, not likely, to, you know, it's like, it's like, so I, I see that, unfortunately, kind of expanding out that whole, you know, Palestinian, Jewish, you know, Muslim yeah. situation. And then, you know, sort of, we got Ukraine, Ukraine, Russia, mm-hmm. that's not going away. You know, you, you still have to think about what's happening with Iran, with the threats that, that could get very nasty. You know, there's sort of threats directed at the, you know, seat of government right now, but that could change in a heartbeat. And then you've got all the you know the various Hezbollah and all the functionaries of Iran and and and, the, and Hamas and you know I, you know we could very well see a situation 
you know, like you think back to the eighties, remember we were dealing with Biter Meinhof and, you know, the red brigades and yeah. all the stuff out of, you know, very well could see a situation where terrorism starts spiking again. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, a lot of white nationalist stuff too. I mean, yep. the thing that I, I, I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of someone who looks like an immigrant or from the middle East. I'm afraid of people who look like me. Yeah. Angry white oh, yeah. nationalists, sure. failure men who are bitter and angry and own guns. And that's who I'm afraid. That's who I'm actually looking for when I go in the crowds. I'm not looking for the immigrant or the or the Middle Eastern yeah. looking guy. I'm looking for guys who look like me and and they're the, to me they're the most dangerous. I don't know. I could be wrong. But, yeah, I think definitely, you know, on a on a domestic front, you yeah. know, the whole idea of domestic terrorism is yeah. is, is out there. You know, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's so easy to get the, the tools of their trade, you know, be it, be it firearms or explosives or whatever. You know, you think about back to Oklahoma city was the last probably big domestic terror incident, you know, yeah. and, and was that like 90, 94, yeah. you know, so definitely I, I agree with you. It's like, that's something that, and, and honestly, I sometimes wonder if our national law enforcement intelligence assets can keep up with it. Yeah. I mean, you think about what Hamas was able to do in Gaza with or attack the Israelis, which would arguably have the best intelligence apparatus in the world. Mm -hmm. And they got surprised. So what does that say about everybody else? <laughs> Even the FBI Even has FBI. admitted that, you know, that's it's, it's almost impossible for them to stop yeah. an event when it's about to happen. I mean, this, and, and, you know, it, I, I think I saw FBI director Christopher Ray speak recently that more people need to speak up and talk. You know, anytime I see one of these shootings go on, like school yeah. shootings, there's a lot of freaking people know this dude is off the rails Yeah, and they don't say anything. They don't do anything. There are, there are a few examples where people are like, well, we tried to have him committed and, you know, <clears throat> somehow he skipped a back, passed a background check. Let me ask you about this. Does does people really need to keep to to get guns to be to feel operationally safe in their public environment? This it's a very complex issue. I've always felt like I've never needed a gun and I've been in situations with people that have them in a, in a confrontational situation where I caught them breaking in my car. I think there's a few other examples. But you know, be, me being able to keep my cool, not not create a, a situation and know how to defuse it, was really important. But I don't yeah. know that if I would have had a gun, that it would have ended the same way. And you know, and I've had friends that you know they get into situations, but they get into situations like, why are you at the Harley Davidson dive bar where the drugs are being dealt? Yeah, your guns and their guns, and you know yeah. there's going to be problems like. I, my friend used to tell me this. Here's what you do: you keep one in the soccer. And I'm like, I know. I just don't go to the fucking bar. <laughs> the yeah. bar you going to, man? I just don't. I just you know, I, I'll, I'll I'll confess. You know, I've been I've been off the job. I, I retired 13 years ago, and you know, I carried a gun for 28 years every day of my life for 28 years. You know, mm -hmm. I retired. I haven't touched it, and, and I won't oh. because one, it, it's you know, it's a skill based thing. And I always tell people if you know if you want to go get a concealed weapons permit, or if you're in one of the one of the, uh, what's it, what's it called? The constitutional carry states. There's 26 or 27 of them now. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But here's the thing. Be prepared to take someone's life. Wow. Understand the consequences of it. Mm -hmm. Be trained. And oh, by the way, more than likely, they're going to take the gun away from you. Wow. Because you don't have the right, you don't have the weapons retention skill that, that, that you learn in law enforcement to actually keep somebody from getting your gun. Yeah. So, 
if you're, you know, I, you know, like you, if, if, if I'm on my Harley, I'm at the Harley bar, I don't want a gun because I'm having a cocktail or something, or, you know, it's, it's like my faculties aren't there, you know, it's going to be taken away from you. So yeah. if, if you're committed to that, train, 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 and, and understand the repercussions you're, 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 if you pull that gun, you better be prepared to take their life. Yeah. And people have this fantasy that's very movie-like that like, oh, I'll kill somebody. And, yeah. and well, that, that seems nice. I mean, I, I, if I ever killed somebody intentionally or by accident, it would haunt me for the rest of my life, but yeah. it might be built a little different knowing that I robbed some of their life by accident or, or by intention. Well, it depends on which enemy it is. I'm just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> but no, yeah. I'm just, I'm just being funny folks. But you know, the, one of the other problems you have that people, I never hear people talk about this when they're arguing about guns and safety and blah, 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 is they never really talk about the civil lawsuits. So yeah, you may take someone's life or you may maim them, but I mean, you know, I mean, these days the, the guy who robs your house, you know, if he, twists his ankle on your floor where he's breaking through your window, he's going to sue you for it. Yeah. And the wrongful death lawsuits that you're going to spend and attorney's fees and everything else, you know, even some of these high profile cases where you've seen guys get off being innocent for, you know, shooting some people in, in an event or something, even if you're the good guy with a gun, you know, when you save the day or something, you're going to get freaking sued, wrongful death yeah. suit. And you're going to spend millions probably in litigation and assets and, you know, between that and the other thing. So, yeah, I think, I think your idea of being situationally aware, not going into certain areas, not getting into certain things, you know, like my friend, he would always be like, what are you going to do, Chris, if you ever get jumped into dark alley? I don't go into dark alleys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't Why? go your I don't go to your Harley Davidson bars. They're good people, but you know, Hey, I, I know what happens at those parties. You know, everybody's going to sleep in a tree. If you pass out, <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know what goes on at those parties, but yeah. just don't put yourself in those situations. I think you'd be wise. What about home protection? What are your, some of your thoughts on protecting the home? Cause one of the you problems know. is too, with guns at home is usually what is it like seven times out of 10 or something, someone in the house will end up finding the gun and using it. Right. Themselves. Right. I, I used to get this a lot, of, particularly overseas, you know, where, you know, like in Venezuela, people say, I, I'm going to get a gun. I'm, I'm going to get a home. I'd say, you know what? If you're committed to that and it, all the things you train, understand the, the understand the that you're going to take someone's life, get a shotgun. Because, you know, there's nothing like that sound of that. Right. If you're if you're carrying one or someone else is carrying one, you're like, oh, right. You can just have it on. Have it on your on your phone. A sound? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. I like that idea. The that unmistakable like, 870 being racked. <laughs> there you go. That are like being, you know, having dogs, I think. My dogs are more aware of what goes on in the yard than anything. Yeah. Having that, you know, I remember one time I put a beware of dog sign, and my friend, friends are like, your dogs aren't scary, Chris. They're huskies. Like, they're yeah. not going to. They're not like Doberman Pinchers or something. I'm like, it doesn't matter. People, if you're breaking into houses, you see the yeah. sign. You just go, hey, I'm not going to try yeah. and figure out which type of dog that guy has. I'm going to move to this place that doesn't have the sign. In fact, it's one of the best security signs you can have. With absolutely. Dogs. I mean, I have a I have a lab. He's right here, asleep on the couch, and you know, labs are you know they'll lick you to death. Yeah. But but he will if someone comes to the door, he'll bark. Mm -hmm. It is a deep bark, and so most people. You know, go to the house next door. They don't have a dog. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, you know, get a dog, you know, alarm systems, you know, same thing. It's all the, you know, keep your doors locked. 
Yeah. How many times do people leave the garage door open, leave the cars unlocked? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I live in a I live in downtown Fort Lauderdale in a nice neighborhood, and but it's like we're just two blocks away from a bad neighborhood. Yeah. And so they they come over here and steal bikes, and you know, it's it's like, well, don't leave your bike outside. Yeah. We even have a camera in my garage so that I can see, number one, if the garage door is closed. Because every yeah. now and then I'll, I'll muck that up somehow. You know, I'm driving yeah. off and I think I've done it. And I'll be like, did I've I close the yeah. garage door or not? And so then I can check in. But it also, it scans and pans the garage. Because if somebody's going to break in the house, usually they're going to go for the garage first. Like you said, looking yeah. for bikes, tools, you know. And, and so there's that. But it, it scans and, and marks those. And there's so many cheap security cameras now that actually do a pretty good job. I think. Yeah, but you know, think about cameras. I get this a lot with the, with my clients. It's like, oh, we want cameras. Like, you know, c- cameras are great for forensics. Mm-hmm. They broke into your house. They want to see who did it. <laughs> we know who did. But that. you know, you're not monitoring the camera unless it's a motion sensitive, you know, camera. Mm-hmm. You're just it's a it's a forensic value. And you know, humans, you know, in, in schools, a human can't sit and look at you know 47 monitors. Mm-hmm. After eight minutes, they they can't see anything. You know, it's yeah. just like they're. Yeah. Cameras are great for forensics, or if you if you get to close your garage door, you can say, "Oh, let me check my camera." <laughs> mm-hmm. the, right? the ring the ring doorbell, though, I think is great for as a deterrent because if somebody enters that that front space, yeah, and it picks them up, and you yeah. can respond, yep. like you know, I and I always respond like I'm home. Yeah, I'm just upset. Oh, yeah. I can't come to the door right now. Yeah, like the worst thing you could be like, "Oh, I'm at the store. What do you need?" <laughs> yeah. No, I I love I love Ring and and obviously that's why Amazon paid a billion dollars for them. I mean, it's great technology. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and you know, low cost. Yeah, and once you pick somebody up on that thing, they know. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people try and steal them and rip them off once they once they know they've been made. It's like, dude, that's that's in the, that's in the cloud by now. I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, it's already it's already on my phone. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, totally totally agree with you. Yeah. So you consult with all the different variations of people, companies out there. Should every company, you know, if I'm a small business guy out there, a medium-sized business, a large company, do do I need to have you coming out, giving training, talking about possible deterrence? You know, in business, somebody, you know, disgruntled employee can show up with a gun. Absolutely. I mean, you think about, you know, one, think about the preparedness side, and you may know this, OSHA, you know, Occupational Safety and Health Act requires businesses, I think over over 10 people have to have some type of emergency preparedness plan. Oh, really? They don't enforce it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the government at any at any given time, there can be a new politician. Says, you know what? I'm going to start enforcing this. You know, basically, all organizations should have some semblance of a active shooter, active assailant, emergency preparedness plan. You know, and that's what a lot of what my program does, but yeah, businesses and, you know, houses of worship. I'm doing a uh, training on the 20th of January here in South Florida for houses of worship mm-hmm. on, on church safety, because, you know, Hey, if people are, can attack the Capitol, then they think nothing about attacking a, ch- a house of worship, which is to me is, is nuts. Right. Yeah. Those have become a huge target. In fact, I think most yeah. churches now have a security team on site of a voluntary security team. Of their yeah. I, I run it for our, uh, our spiritual center and yeah. it's the same thing. It's we're you know, we have a, we have a large LGBTQ community and hmm. you know, we, we have a community that is vulnerable. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, people ride around with the Trump's, you know, the, the flags and they're, you know, you know, like, and they're like taking targets. So it's like, if you're a little bit on the left, you know, left of center on your sort of liberal, uh, you know, uh, thinking, it goes back to what you were saying about the ultra right wing 
threats. There you go. And right? I think, and I think too, being have a situational awareness makes you aware of people that are casing a joint, which is, I don't know if you want to explain what casing a joint means. It sounds like a movie term. It is a movie term. It is. Yeah. I mean, they're basically, you know, we used to call it, what we used to call it pre-operational surveillance. Yeah. Where, you know, that came, that came from the terrorists, where that's how you would pop a lot of terrorists is they would literally have to, before the days of phones and cameras, they would literally have to sit outside your residence for six days to get your patterns down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's really, but, but even to this day, you know, terrorists and terrorist case, or they're going to attack a church, they're going to do drive-bys because, you know, most of these guys want to get away. And so if you want to get away, you're not willing to die at the scene. Mm-hmm. then you're going to figure out, you know, you're going to look, you're going to watch, you're going to see what you're doing, which is why you got to be there to have that up, that situational awareness. And that guy's been sitting in the parking lot for the last two Sundays. I wonder what's up with him. Yeah. Yeah. Watch well, who's watch following you in a car. You know, I'm not like totally paranoid. Like, I don't know, some people on some TV show, but I, I do, you know, I watch sometimes if there's a car that appears to be following me, or and turning with my turning like the other night i think i was coming home it was late at night and i thought it was interesting that this car was making all the same turns i was turned down my main street then turned down the street where i'm about ready to turn into my home and i remember thinking this is kind of interesting and what was weird was they pulled off to the side of the road and stopped yeah like almost to watch where i would go in and my little spidey sense just kind of went i don't know about this it's kind of interesting and uh, maybe you should just do an additional drive around the block instead of stop where you're going. Now, I don't know. That may have been paranoid. Maybe, you know, but you never know. In today's world, you piss somebody off. Maybe, you know, I was thinking, God, did I, did I move lanes and piss somebody off? And now that we've got some road rage issues and I don't see it coming. Well, you think about, you know, to your listeners so they would know that. I mean, you sort of had that instinct. But literally, that's a, that's a perfect scenario. If you think you're being followed, you just keep on driving. Do not go to your house. Right. Drive to, drive to a station. fire station, drive to a yeah. police station, drive to a, you know, a grocery store where there's a security, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go inside. But yeah, because it very well may have been they were they were looking at you. They liked your car. You know, you you, you gave them the, you know, the, the, the eye at the restaurant or something. And, and yeah, but I mean, you know, who knows? But if you see that car again, you're going to recognize it. Yeah, I give chicks the eye at the restaurants too. It gives it the same. It, it ends up doing the same thing. They run away screaming. Yeah, I was gonna say, how does that work for you? It doesn't. I just have resting bitch face no matter what I do. I can't win. Yeah. but I don't know. It works for me. I'm I'm still single and have all my money, so that works. <laughs> that you carry around with you when you travel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> I don't know. There's a joke there about Vegas not being alone and money, but I'll leave it alone. Give us your final pitch. How can people onboard with you, get to know you better, you know, all that stuff as we go out? Yeah. Go to our website, clearpathepm.com, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff on the website about upcoming training, the various training for schools, you know, all the services we do from security guard, you know, management, and, you know, we do a lot of different things and, and have a lot of talented consultants. Check us out on the website, and we have a LinkedIn page, clearpathepm on LinkedIn, or our company page. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can reach out to us at info at clearpathpm.com. There you go. You've given us a lot of great tools, and women are more security obsessed than we are because they they really need to be. And then usually they're they're targets and and all sorts of evil stuff. It's definitely good tips for them as well. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Mike. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank have, you. have an awesome day and a good holiday season.
You too, man. Be careful this holiday season, you know. And then don't leave the window open with your tree and all the presents for everyone to see from the road. That's exactly. Exactly, right. Hey, look at this great tree we have. Oh, and there's yeah, yeah. really big presents on the ground there. There you go. Exactly. The, thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, ForchesChrisFoss, LinkedIn.com, ForchesChrisFoss, ChrisFoss1, the TikTokity, ChrisFoss, Facebook.com, and all those great places around the internet. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time.